What's up, guys? Fourth Base Podcast, episode number 10. Cody here with Matt. Still riding high off a uh, Red Sox World Series victory. Um, I think I'm about to have to start unfollowing people on Twitter that are Red Sox fans because they keep just reposting shit. And it's like, I get it, you guys won. But it's not like this is the first championship you guys have won. Yeah, I like Carabas. He's still funny. Him, yeah. But some of these other guys, it's like, Jesus, dude. Um, so, we're... Uh, Got a couple things to cover here. Not a whole lot going on yet. We're going to talk about Paxton trade. We have not had a chance to discuss the uh, end-of-season awards. We hadn't really gone over it in-depth in the podcast, I don't think. The only, I mean, looking at it, you called Otani winning AL Rookie of the Year, which happened. Um, he did. I was surprised, though, because he never pitched at all yeah, the rest of the season. But his He still gave you the innings pitch that you would have gotten from a reliever. I mean, you know what I'm saying? And he, and he hit for power, too, which was kind of crazy. So. Yeah. I mean, I think there's a strong possibility that he'll give you, you know, if he's healthy, once his arm's all healed up and everything, 30 home runs. You're going to get, even even if you get 150 innings pitched from him and 30 home runs. Yeah. That's, that's no one. Amazing. There's no one. There's no one that can do that. And that's why he had so much hype, and it's good to see that even though he got hurt, he was still able to show why he was really worth all the hype even at the end of the season. He could yeah. still hit, you know, and he's still a very good hitter. Even and I think he showed that he can do both because there were flashes, especially early on in the season, where he was blowing guys away on the mound. So even yeah. though he couldn't pitch, he still showed that he is definitely effective both sides of the ball. Oh, for sure. And I think, like, he's not – obviously, they're not going to let him throw. He's not going to throw anywhere close to 200 innings, even when he comes back from this injury. So, I mean, let's yeah, say that's he okay. gets you – Yeah, let's say he gets you, you know, 100 to 150 innings, probably not the first year. But even with that, man, that's more innings than you're getting from a reliever, and you're going to get 20 to 30 mm-hmm. home runs. Like, that's just crazy to even – to think that. Um is he worth it? Is he worth it as a starter? Can't you do more with him if he's a reliever? Can't you pick? Can you technically pitch him on days where like he DHs? Could you do yeah. that? Couldn't you replace him as DH and have him pitch, you know, in the seventh and eighth inning, and then he could you probably could still him, hit after that and bring your closer. You in. could have him DH and have him pitch at any time. You're not making a lineup adjustment, I don't think. So, I mean, you could just bring him in for the one one batter in the seventh inning if you wanted to, I would think. But then you're also, I mean, with that, you're kind of messing with his yeah. schedule and everything like that. And someone who's already had Tommy John surgery, I don't know if That's you really, true. you don't That, it, that is good that. that they have they have him on, and they had him on a very strict schedule yeah. of when he was going to DH and when he was going to pitch. So maybe they'll handle him that way. I mean, I don't I don't know. I'm not saying that's, yeah, there's any right or wrong. And that was kind of the thing is nobody had been in this situation before. No. So, you know, it was up to, I don't know, who's their manager? Uh, Socia. Yeah, he's been there forever. Yeah, I don't, I don't so think. So it's kind of up to I him think to he's figure gone now. Thing I out. think he's gone. Didn't they just get rid of him? I think so. Because um, they underachieve yeah. all the time. Acuna Jr. wins Rookie of the Year in the NL. It was, uh, you know, it was a very tight race at one point. I think yeah. we had both said Soto was up, and I mean – no need to go through all like the numbers like they're they're very very similar number wise, but to me when Acuna got hot and when he took over to me like took over the race from Soto was when he took off in the leadoff spot and the Braves like surged. Soto I'm not like discounting his numbers by any means and it's not fair to penalize him because the Braves finished better than the Nationals. Right. But the Braves took off when Acuna took off. Like there's a direct correlation there, so like I don't want to penalize Soto for being on a on a worse team, right? But Acuna was the only one other than Freddie Freeman that was consistently producing, and as soon as he got in the leadoff spot and started hitting home runs, they took off. So I think that one's a, a pretty clear choice for uh for you know rookie of the year. You have there. to be pretty excited about either team oh, yeah. with those players going in. It'll be fun, year. like especially in the same division, getting to see him play. Like they're both going to be unless something happens with a trade. You know you're what, six years arbitration eligible? Yeah. So you're going to see these guys in the same division for the next six years. They were playing together in that uh, Japanese league, having a lot of fun together. So I think they're going to be fun to to watch play. Um, my boy Snicker won the uh, NL Manager of the Year. Bob Melvin won in the uh, the American League. I think that uh, I think it was a tough decision across the board for both of the Manager of the Year spots. Like, I think in the, the American League, I mean – 
Do you give it to Alex Cora just because he's a well, rookie and it was like his first year and they won the I, World Series? I get but that. But Bob, Mel- Bob Melvin had a very one of the lowest, the lowest payroll, the lowest team payroll in, the in all of baseball. The highest, and, I do believe. And, and the A's, outside of what, the first or second month of the season, were competitive all year. Yeah. All, all year. They were in I it. think they still won the wild card, right? The, yeah. And the AL wild card. They I lost understand. To New York, but I understand that Cora, you know, it's his first year. They won the World Series, which that doesn't get factored in. It's just regular season. But I think when you look at what Bob Melvin did with his roster compared to what the – like that's that's like when we were talking about Madden earlier. That's like me taking the Browns and you taking, you know, the Saints. Yeah. You should win. But if I can beat you, I manage the game better than you. I don't have, yeah. I don't have all the, the, the pieces at my disposal that you have. So I think that one made sense. I think in the the NL, I think it was a good like I mean you pretty much either wanted Council or Snicker. Council had kind of I mean not not nearly the the roster build and the payroll that the Red Sox had, but nobody expected the Braves to win the the East. Yeah. They had I mean, what were the odds at the beginning of the season? 80% or something like that, 80% or better for the Nationals to win the NL East. Same thing it is every year. But look at what Snicker did. He's got some veterans, but he's also got a lot of young guys. The dude's been in the organization for 40 years. So I was very happy to see him. Um, Yeah, Council, I mean, I'm sure that was a tough pick. I'm sure that was close. But, I mean, also, look, like they had just signed Lorenzo Cain. They traded for Yelich last season. Like, they made some big moves to get – to get to where they were. So, I mean, I don't know, like I said, it's it's not like I'm bashing these guys. Like, I don't think there's a wrong choice, but I'm happy with with both of those um, as well. Now, Cy Young, I think I did – we did talk about this, and I did say Snell was going to win the Cy Young. And with his, it was pretty much him or Verlander. And I think that these guys with Snell and DeGrom, it's like polar opposites. Snell, you know, had 20-plus wins, had a really good year overall. But I think his win total kind of put him a little bit ahead of Verlander. And then you look at DeGrom, most dominant pitcher all year, obviously, yeah. and played for a shitty team, had, what, 10 wins? Yeah. So, like, they're polar opposites <laughs> there. But I still, like, the most ridiculous thing to me is the guy that voted DeGrom number three on his ballot with Nola and Scherzer above him. Like, yeah, Scherzer still had an ERA under two. Yeah. DeGrom like, did. Had a stupid year. If he, imagine if he were on, like, the Yankees or something. Yeah. Like that. He would have won 25 games. Been 25-1. and one. You know, he had, what, like, X amount of games with under three earned runs and all that shit. I don't think he gave up four earned yeah, runs. Yeah, the all Mets year. are one of the biggest jokes in all of baseball. They're, Their they're whole right. organization, it's like them and Baltimore. One thing we never discussed was how fucking stupid do the Marlins look right now? They trade away Stanton, they trade away Yelich, they trade away Ozuna, and you trade away two MVPs in a row. Yeah, now I heard Real Muto wants out of there. He oh, wants to be traded. Yeah, they're they're saying that there's no chance in hell of him being with them after, after he can sign somewhere else. But see, that's the thing too is like I keep seeing the Braves are involved in those trades for Real Muto, but then I also keep reading that the Marlins don't want to trade within their division. It's like dude, they just not... got rid of uh, Suzuki, Kurt Suzuki, right? The Braves. He didn't resign. He signed with the Nationals. Yeah. Yeah, the Nationals just I don't know what they got him for, but they definitely needed help at catcher. Yeah, and he was solid for yeah. us. But I mean, I keep seeing that we're either going to go after uh, Real Muto or try to sign Ramos. But we'll see. Um, MVP obvious like Betts and Yelich like we discussed. Yelich wasn't really in the conversation much like even right after the All Star break, and then that dude just went on a fucking tear. He was hot in the playoffs too. Oh, just destroyed everybody. What did he end up batting like three, three thirty around yeah, something like that? Like Jesus, like just ridiculous. Um, so I think both of those were kind of obvious choices. Um, I keep seeing these things about the Yankees, where it's like the Yankees and the Red Sox. Who's who's outfield would you take? And looking at like. Bets if he keep dude if he keeps going like, you think it's gonna be Bets and Trout every year for MVP? Yeah, I don't. I don't know if Jose Ramirez had like a freak year or if they if he's know. gonna be that consistent. I mean, nobody knows, but he's put up the last two years in a row. He's been really his numbers consistent. keep getting better. Yeah, so I mean, it could be those three guys every year. I mean, Trout's always gonna be in the conversation yeah. until he gets hurt, which is something that. 
put a damper on him for a good portion of this year. He hurt, he hurt his wrist, right, for a yeah. while. So I keep seeing a lot of stuff about uh, Harper and Trout being the same outfield in L.A. together. But we'll cover. We'll, we'll get to the free agent talk here in a little bit. Um, it's a big trade. Yankees pick up Paxton. Yeah. Big game. Gave up Sheffield, which I didn't think they were going to trade, but that just shows you, like, they want – they need a, a a very solid starter now and don't have time to wait. And it's not like they're hurting for, you know, prospects they've got. This is pretty much their MO, though. Get somebody that's almost ready, trade them with a couple a couple lesser-known guys and see what happens. But, I mean... You have to feel pretty good as a Yankees fan going into next year, though. Oh, yeah. Like, and I think, like, with you being a Boston fan, like, you can't be happy about this. Like, uh, Paxton, like, I, I saw a lot of shit on Twitter about people being like, oh... Yankees should have got more. And it's like, dude, you're with Paxton, if he's healthy, you're getting an ace. Like, he's probably not going to get you 200 innings like that, but I don't know how many more guys are going to get you 200 innings, period, anymore with the way that the bullpens work yep. nowadays. But Especially with how good theirs is, but they don't really need him for that. No, and if you just keep him at, you know, five, six innings a game, maybe seven, He's not trying to throw complete games. Yeah, they just need him to win games. Stay healthy. Be like, good. He had, like what, said, five or six innings. Two hundred eight strikeouts and one hundred and sixty innings pitch. Yeah. Like that's there's not too many guys that are giving you that. So like, don't act like he's a shitty pitcher. I think his bat or his uh, ERA was three seventy six last season. So he's obviously in the and and that e, that is that number ERA is generally inflated in the American League. Like three seventy six yeah. is pretty good. Like anything yeah. under four is is pretty respectable. Yeah. But I think, I mean, I don't know, like, it, his numbers will probably take a little bit of the ding being in New York with that being home run haven. Yeah. But he misses a lot of bats, too. So that could be limited big time on how many home runs he gives up. But, I mean, it's clear the Mariners are, are trying to rebuild and get rid of people because, you know, they got Sheffield's obviously he'll be pitching this year. I think they were a bit surprised themselves that their team was competitive this year. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing too is like we already we discussed it I think multiple times is that was without Cano for eighty games. Yeah, it's very similar to me to the Brewers last year. Like the Brewers had a young team that, but you know before they made the off season uh, acquisitions or trades for the you know Kane and Yelich they were kind of surprised that they were contenders last year. I don't think that, you know, they, with their payroll and the amount of money that they were putting in it, I think they greatly exceeded their expectations. Yeah. So they probably thought in the offseason, like, we already have a pretty good team that's a year or two ahead of its time. Like, if we just add a couple pieces here or there, like, this good team could be fairly elite and, you know, look how this season turned yeah, out. So there's why? nothing saying, I mean... The Mariners definitely have pieces to, to build from, but they they're going to have to get younger as they well. Have, they have a lot of pieces that are kind of tough to move to. Like Cano, he's got a huge contract still. Hernandez, his contract. Yeah, are they going to sign Nelly Cruz, who yeah. had a, a pretty good year last year, yeah. but he's 30-something years old now. Yeah, but, I mean, he's still hitting the ball well. Um, yeah, I think with the Mariners, like they're not winning the championship next year with the the roster that they have. So instead of, I don't think that they're they're not pulling like a Marlins move, yeah. and blowing everything up. But they're gonna get rid. Like Paxton, obviously, is a guy that that has value. So they got Sheffield, which is a good pitcher. He's not gonna be good, probably like you know, really good this year or next year. But he'll develop in the next couple years. Uh, that Swanson dude, he's only twenty two years old or twenty two ranked, twenty second ranked prospect in the Yankees system. They were saying that he's probably MLB ready this year. And then that Dom Thompson-Williams, he's still in single A. But, I mean, the dude hit two ninety nine with 22 home runs, I think like 74 RBI in like 100 games. Yeah. So you've got a, a obviously a dude with some power. And imagine if he comes in to more power and he's going to get you 30, 35 home runs in a couple of years, even if it's four years. You know, by that time, Cano's gone. Felix is long gone. And you've got... You've got a lot of payroll coming off for you to sign someone down the road, but I don't see I don't see this work not working out for either team. Like unless Sheffield's a complete bust, and he's the what thirty first overall ranked prospect in baseball right now. I mean, it's not like you didn't get anything for past. Yeah, him. yeah, I I think the the Mariners got a, a the fair and I mean I don't, I think it's fair on both ends. Honestly, I think the Mariners got enough. Like you said, they. They, unless, they didn't. Unless they weren't Sheffield, really. They unless were Sheffield blows up, 
Yeah, they were competitive last year, but nobody really thought the Mariners were going to do anything, even if they made that that wild card, that second wild card slot. Nobody really thought that they could compete with, you know, even the Astros in their in their division. No. So, you know, they're they're kind of smart in getting rid of their best asset for younger talent. And they got some yeah. pretty decent young talent, it looks like, from New York. So. Yeah. And like I said, it's not like they're blowing everything up from the foundation. They're just right. they're swapping out some pieces and they're trying to get younger and they're yeah they're trying to trade with what they have. Yeah, their best asset. So speaking of the Yankees, I've uh, been reading that uh, they might try to get rid of Stanton. He's got two hundred sixty million dollars left on his contract, though. and that's it's why they want to get rid of him. Yeah. I don't, that, that that was my point. Is what I said earlier was what. What did you expect from him? I mean, I know he was coming off an MVP uh, season. Yeah, but like we discussed, you're playing for the Marlins. Like, a Did team. they just think because they brought him to, to Yankee Stadium that he would hit 80 home runs instead of, like, 60? And, it, you know, it, it's a much bigger stadium in, in, in Miami. It's harder to hit home runs. So that 59 equates to, like, 80 in Yankee Stadium. I don't know. But, but you're also not playing in the spotlight. You're playing in Miami right. where no, but you know no one what, in Florida gives a shit about baseball. Exactly. You're you already signed your big deal, so that is like you're you're yeah, relaxing he's hitting, at this he's hitting point. Monster home runs in the yeah. bottom of the eighth inning that don't matter when they're down you know nine to three. Yeah, and it doesn't with no matter. one in the stands. No one gives a shit. Now yeah. you go to Yankee Stadium where you strike out three times and you're getting booed. That's gonna fuck with you. It's well, the same your first thing, day, right? Yeah, he strike out four times his first. Day. Yeah, he, he did not have or something. Have they booed him right start. away. Did not have a solid start at all. And that's so, something actually like with Sonny like I keep seeing I thought they were gonna trade Sonny Gray to the Reds. Um did I keep seeing the Braves in talks with uh And I know the Reds are gonna get rid of Scooter because he's getting older and it's kind of uh, I kind of similar to the Paxton thing, but he's the only bargaining chip. He's the only guy that isn't you know, under contract, that isn't a young guy that they wanna keep and for the future that's what they have this, what, Senzel coming up. Yeah. Uh, He's like, they, what, they, number six prospect? Yeah, so they think that they have a replacement for Scooter already, even yeah. though Scooter had, you know, an all-star caliber season, that if they can get anything for him, they'll take it because they already have the next, you know, his, yeah, his replacement got, yeah. in the minors. So I just, the thing that I, I've never understood about the Reds is why, like, they should have just blown it up. Just blown it up completely. Don't try to give anybody false hope that you know you're going to be decent. Just they should have got rid of Otto years ago. They should have just traded all the big chips that they had while they could, and then started like I feel like they're just doing it in like slow motion. Yeah, and that's why the rebuild is taking longer. Yeah, and that's why not last year but the year before they broke that record because they had the most consecutive starts from a, uh, a rookie, rookie pitcher. pitcher. Yeah, and it was like over fifty. I think it was something it was crazy. Stupid. So. If you have like you're you're at that point you're in full blown rebuild mode because you have no ace you have nothing you don't have a pitching rotation period exactly it's, it's all like you don't together. even have, you don't, it's not that you don't have an ace it's that like you don't up. have a one a two a three exactly or you, you got, have nothing so you have a so bunch from of there you, you have to show the fans that like and and, and the, the way with Brian Price and the way they they finally fired him after he went like three and fifteen to start this season because he spoke he's a pitching coach he's supposed to get his young talent to evolve into major league talent. And he, they, the Reds pitching, they trade away all their good pitchers. You know, they keep Homer because he was the only one that they really signed. And they get rid of Leak and Cueto and Chapman. And I understand you don't need Chapman. You don't need a closure if you're not winning games. Well, so. they also, I think they got rid of Chapman when he had that uh, domestic Yeah, case like where the gun got fired and shit like that. Yeah, that didn't look good. They got rid of him because of that. But I mean, yeah, it's just like I feel like if they if they would have just, you know, said fuck it, let's just blow the shit up, let's rebuild now, just get rid of everything, fire sale now, get rid of everything that we can get. I'm not saying take stupid deals, right? But just get rid of shit, get rid of your vados, trade your Quatos. Like even back a couple years ago, like they weren't gonna win with Quato. We all knew that. Get rid of all of them. Get as many prospects as you can. And then start developing them. But like, just like what you said is, their starting pitching staff has not been developed, and it's been trash. So until they can do that, and maybe they're finally getting there now, until that shit starts to happen, then it's never going to matter. And like, this is a question I have, is like, if you're, if you're running the Reds, do you just trade Iglesias right now too? Trade it while he's high? See if you can get, what if you could get, you know, a decent, like let's say you get a number three starting pitcher, 
and an above average like hitter. Isn't that worth it in yeah, two they, or three years? Because for, how good for, is he? For your team, that those positions would hold more value because that's you don't really need a closer. You're not yeah, even a 500 team. You're yeah. not even close to a 500 So why team. keep him? That's what I'm saying is like I feel like the Reds because people are like, oh, we got a good guy coming up. Right. You do what we everyone else does. You do what everyone else does. You try to piece together a decent bullpen and have a good starting rotation. And then if you're still in it when it comes to – you know, the trade deadline, you go get someone that's always available. It seems like every year the Padres have a good reliever yeah. that they get rid of at the trade deadline and get decent stuff in return. Every year it seems like there's a team that has that's that's not that good, that knows they're not in the race, that needs to sell off or get rid of a closer. Just get a closer then if you're really trying to make it's a run. It's every year. There's yeah, you, always... you, you fill out everything else in your – you fill out your starters, your middle – you fill out everything and then try to get that, that you know – that one piece at the very end, that closer, that dominant like lockdown guy. You don't have that. You don't sign that guy first and then try to build everything around him. Yeah. So and that's the same because you're never going to use it. That's what you've got right now. He's clearly not that valuable to your team. So you either trade him now or you wait till mid season. His value is huge. Yeah, and then on or the you just let him pitch right now and then wait till it's mid season and maybe one of those teams that didn't want to deal with you in the off season because they didn't think they had a chance, and now all of a sudden they're right there. Like, say, like you know, someone like the Cardinals who's like right there on the cusp, fighting for their division. What if they need? And I'm just using them as an example, right? But like, and you think that, that closer's if, a lot more valuable to if, that if, team right then and there than it would be to like say the Yankees right now that have you, you have to you have to believe that somebody like the Cardinals are thinking that right now. If we had a piece like this, we could have done something more last year. We could so have sell it. Yeah. You're not winning this year. The yeah. Reds are not going anywhere. They're not gonna even win that division. But that's the problem. So, they didn't do the Astros full blown rebuild fire sale and that's why the Astros didn't take as long because they they had garbage teams for only, you know, a few years. And the Reds are just gonna be below average why not for have, the next yeah why seven not years? have four or five really shitty years like really down in the dumps years and then have a solid 10 years of of good playing like where you're actually competing for the division and everything like that instead of having well let's have 10 mediocre years and they're still we're no better off than we were 10 years ago it just doesn't make sense you to can me sell your fans that. on that like look yeah. at, look at what we have that we're trying to develop and this team, you know, is going to be competitive in three years. Like, just give us time to rebuild so we don't have a bunch of aging veterans who aren't going to add a lot of value on the, the open market to try to get, you know, they went young and they got a ton of young dudes. And, you know, they built around their starting rotation. They've With got guys it. like, you know, Keiko was there first, I guess. And then yeah. Verlander came and they won the World Series and then Cole came and, you know, but that's the thing is if you can get anymore, yeah, but, but you got Keuchel to bridge that gap exactly. to exactly get to Verlander, and then you get Cole the year after. That, that team was good enough to where they felt the year they got Verlander halfway through the season that that was the chip they needed for this. It wasn't even good. halfway through the season. That was like he was like made like with seconds to spare. At yeah, the, like August thirty yeah, first sure. deadline, right? <laughs> so they picked him up right before September, and like, like, this like, is right the before one piece October. We uh, need for this competitive team to be elite to be. You know, World Series. And they did ready. the same thing this year with Cole. So yeah. imagine if they do that again this year and they pick up another guy that's an ace for another right. team. Right. They let Keuchel go and they pick they they sign. I mean, not go, but they don't re-sign Keuchel and they get someone else that you know is a, a maybe younger than Keuchel, maybe you know has better well, stuff than Keuchel has right now. I said this to you years ago, and I'm not trying to talk shit about these guys because they were obviously top-notch pitchers at one time when Keuchel. And uh, Arietta came up and had those super dominant years. I, me and you discussed. I'm like, dude, there's no way that this this uphold like this stays like this. They're too old. It's not like they're 25, and all of a sudden coming into their prime, you know, and having really solid years between like 28 and 33. It's like they're 30 years old. They're not going to continue to duplicate these right. seasons. Now Arietta had a couple really really solid years in Chicago. Yeah, but he's not like. I don't fear him pitching for the Phillies like I fear no, him he's pitching not, for the Cubs. He's not the Cubs. ace anymore there. No, I mean, that's Nola. Yeah. 
And that's the thing is like I'm seeing a shit ton of talk about the Phillies having the the money to be able to sign Harper and Machado. They have and they that's have good young pitching too. That's they have some guys that are pretty decent outside of just Nola and Arietta. Like they're they're they they're I mean they're there. They're almost a complete got, team. They just fell apart. Maybe yeah. it was youth or inexperience, but you know. Well, the Nationals are supposed to win the division. There was no there's yeah. never a discussion. The Phillies and Braves are supposed to be a couple years away still. Right. And we ended up competing against each other, and that's I mean that's what's going to be tough and like we got a tough division for the years to yeah, come. Yeah, no, I I wouldn't be surprised for people to think that even after Atlanta's run last year that the Nationals are going to win the division next year. I mean, I don't know. That's there's a lot left open there, man. With like, are they gonna? I don't think. Yeah. What happens to Daniel Murphy? What happens to Bryce Harper? I don't think they're gonna re-sign Harper. I think if Harper wanted to re-sign with the Nationals, he would have already done it. I think they might when Harper is actually being shopped around the free agent market, and once he realizes that he's not gonna get what he expects. He'll come back to the Nationals and be like, hey, let's talk about that $300 million offer again. So you don't think he's going to get an offer higher than that from anybody else? No. I just don't I don't understand. Who why. needs him? Who needs it? Who who is who is that's the thing is 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 everything I've seen is who's more valuable? Who like Harper or Machado? I mean, yeah, if I, you if you completely take out you know character issues, which you can't, yeah. you can't. I mean, I, I know think, that it's still a team, and that, well, but it, that's it's, the thing it's is, Machado. He plays good yeah, defense. He's an infielder. He hits for power. They He's both fast. have they both have issues. Like Harper's had issues where he wasn't mm-hmm. hustling down the line and stuff like that. Had issues with being a hothead. He does not, stupid not, stuff yeah. that gets himself hurt, but not to the extent that Machado does. Like where he's trying to hurt people and stuff like right. that. But I, I yeah, I don't think Bryce Harper's a dirty player. Saying he, I think he's, I think someone who's a really good shortstop, really good third baseman, good hitter is more valuable than a good right fielder. That's got a good bat. But that's the thing too is I don't think that Machado is as streaky as Harper is. And like we've discussed this, I don't know how many times. That's what killed me in fantasy was like Harper. He'll give you two two months that are so great that his end year numbers still look really good. But when you actually look at the last four months of the season, yeah, it was terrible. Yeah, and he just got you so many points the first two months that he still looks really good. But it's just like, dude, like come on, like give me stop the streaky shit. But yeah, I I completely agree with the Machado thing. But I don't know, man. Like it just. I've been seeing that the Yankees, part of the reason they're going to trade Stanton is to sign Machado because Didi Gregorius is still hurt. Okay. So, I mean, that would make sense for them. They've obviously got the... Wouldn't that be... How perfect would that be if the Yankees got him? I mean, Machado I belongs in New York. He honestly, really does. Yeah, the most, <laughs> the most shit that I've read, though, is saying that like Machado's going to sign with the White Sox and Harper's going to sign with the Cubs, but I don't know. It's like, I don't know. It's a little similar, I guess, like... The Red Sox, when Johnny Damon, like they, he helped them win. I think he hit that home run, a grand slam in Game Seven of the World Series, or no, Game Seven of the, uh, the the matchup between the the ALCS. Yeah. So, and then like the year after that, he goes to New York, and he was so scruffy. He had you know he had long beard, and they made and him cut it all off. All that they shit. made him cut it all off, and he it was almost like he got rid of what made him like. A likable player, like as soon as yeah. he, he, as soon as he cleaned himself well, up, he just wasn't the same, the same guy. He he went there and he had the scruffy beard and everything, and then he all of a sudden was all clean shaven. Like the, the Yankees make you physically sell out. Like if you're coming here, you you have to cut your beard. Well, like, look at Andrew they, Miller. Like, like now that he's with the Indians, he's all scruffy. Yeah, again. he's all scruffy. Yeah. Hair's shaggy again. So yeah, so it's like selling out. That's what made me. It. That's what made me mad about Johnny Damon was that he went from the Red Sox to the Yankees, and I don't have affiliation to either franchise, right. obviously. But overnight, yeah, and then all everything. of a sudden he's like all clean shaven. I'm like, you fucking sell yeah, out. And I get it, it, man. Like that's why you bust your asses. The right, and I get that that's day, the Yankees. But, like they 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 have a very. That's that's their rule is like they all their players are clean cut. It's like fuck that. They don't they don't you know I don't know maybe you're paying these guys millions of dollars. I'm gonna I would just be fuck you. I'm not shaving my beard. Right, and then you see something like uh, Keuchel or you know all these dudes. Evan Gaddis with his big massive beard. Oh man, I miss uh. It was fun when he played for the Braves. I actually just saw a guy on Twitter uh, the other day 
posted something about uh the uh, Brian McCann home plate situation with Carlos Gomez when he hit that home run and then like started talking shit to Paul Mahalam and like took his time around the bases and okay. McCann stepped out in front of the plate and I commented on there I was like that's like my favorite Brian McCann memory <laughs> I was pissed he left after that and went to the fucking Yankees alright so moving on to some other uh, big big name free agents we kind of talked about Keiko. he's uh He's obviously a valuable guy, but I don't think that he's as valuable as, like, Patrick Corbin. Right. And Corbin's was, someone was that we've been that. talking about with uh, fantasy baseball, too, because he was always one of those guys that's, like, he'll get you seven innings, 11 strikeouts or whatever, and then the next three starts he'll barely get. <laughs> he'll barely go five innings. And he'll get shelled. Same thing that the fucking Blake Snell was doing the last two years when I had his ass, and then all of a sudden the year that I don't get him and I don't draft him, yeah. he fucking wins the Cy Young. But it's just like he'll get you ten a 10K game, you know, six, seven innings, and then for the next month he goes four and a third and gives up, you know, it's not like he's giving up eight runs, but it's like he's walking five guys and can't yeah, get through and, the game. And it always seems with pitchers like that that are so inconsistent, it's like you feel nervous starting them against – uh, Houston or Boston and New York, and they generally pitch well against those yeah. teams. It's crazy, but and, and, and then it's like shelled by the Orioles. the Royals or the Orioles yeah. or the White Sox. You're Six like, walks, what the hell? They just did this. Runs. Yeah, they just did this to 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 the Yankees. You know, they they shut down the Yankees for two earned over seven innings with you know nine strikeouts and one walk. And it's like, yeah, they give up five walks to the Royals, who I could get out. You know, yeah. half of their lineup. And yeah, that's it, the frustrating thing is, like, that's the shit that happens. When you almost want to bench them, they have a really good game, and then... And you're like, I have to start them because, you know, yeah. right here, they're, they're, this matchup is oh, too juicy. a terrible team. And it's like, yeah, yeah fucking it's like three, three... You look up, and it's negative five yeah. points. Like, great, <laughs> there's no way they're coming back. Yeah. But it's almost like guys like that, that as soon as they figure out their control issues, whatever, like, whatever little tweak they make, it's like, boom, all of a sudden... Ty on was that for yeah. me this year. Like as he, soon as they figure was, out the control issues, I drafted him and he it was him and Michael Fulmer. Uh, where I was, you know, I don't know, four weeks into the season, I was like, I have to cut one of these guys. But the numbers you talked to me about that. Yeah, the numbers were so close yeah. that it was really like a coin flip, and I'm glad I kept. You know, Ty on is is young, just like Fulmer. But he, I think I told you that the only reason I would possibly keep Former instead of him was because I thought that Former was going to get traded to a contender. Yeah. But it just never happened. So, I don't know. Um, Eovaldi, he's getting a lot of attention just because of the you know the second half he had last yeah. year. And he's also one of those guys that, especially with now how baseball is going, is he, is he more valuable to you to get you five or six innings as a starter or do you bring him in and let's say your starter – starts running into issues in the fourth inning. You bring him in for the fourth, fifth, sixth, even the seventh maybe, and he's throwing, you know, 100 miles per hour, and then all of a sudden you've got two closers that you're bringing in behind him. Like yeah, that's... he definitely has value, a lot of value. I would say out of those three, I mean, Patrick Corbin, especially after the year he had last year, especially when he started off really hot, I think he has the most value over Uvalde and Keiko. But I think Keiko probably has the least Keichel stuff. I've had I've had Keichel in fantasy for he was my keeper. I've had him like three years now, um, and the first year, second year was okay. First year was really good, but last year he wasn't great. He's not consistent. His stuff is, you know, well, he's, not he's a ground ball pitcher. He yeah, doesn't blow a, anybody away. No. He won't. He doesn't get many strikeouts. I mean, he usually. Only gives up, you know, two, three earned runs and can usually go but that's six. If, if his but, if he's not getting the ball hit into the ground, he's gonna get lit up. Yes. Period. And that's the thing is he, like Eovaldi, I think above anyone else even on that list, can miss bats better than anybody. So yeah. he's obviously valuable and like I said, you don't need to necessarily use him as a starter. You might wanna use him out of the bullpen for that like long reliever role. But who's to say like you could bring him in in the ninth inning if you wanted to and have him close out a game depending yeah. on you know, if you wanted to. So You've got Kimbrell and Ottavino are also free agents. I've seen some talk about uh, Kimbrell and the Braves having a little uh, nice. Both those guys have a lot of value. Ottavino yeah, Ottavino, had a really good year. Yeah, he's been one of the best relievers. He's not that like closer type. Like he's not. He wasn't in a closer role. But that dude, he was lights out out of the the bullpen. And Kimbrell, and he's good. I mean, so they'll definitely want to get rid of him. Yeah, Kimbrell. Uh, Colorado doesn't keep anybody that's good. 
played for Colorado, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, he's a free agent now, so. I, uh, I'm really kind of wondering what the, the Air, like Arizona's, I think, going to really affect what the uh, NL West looks like for next year. Because, dude, if they, they've already, they haven't re-signed uh, center fielder. Pollock. Pollock. So they haven't re-signed him yet, but he's had a lot of injuries. So I don't know really what that's going to mean for him in free agency, but he's supposed to be Do they have their anybody center that's fielder. really, like, good? Pollock's good. He's hurt. I think I think if they if they really are hell-bent on trading Goldschmidt, I think that they'll package um, Granke with them and see if they can get rid of some of Granke's payroll. And Granke's that's still a hell of a pitcher. Yeah, yeah, I mean, if you're – but if you're, if you're going to lose Goldschmidt anyway and you're going to trade him – do you really think that the Diamondbacks are going to win without Goldschmidt? No. So why keep Granky? If you're if you're going to go into, I'm not saying they're going into like full blown rebuild mode, but if you're losing Goldschmidt, look at what they did last year when he was struggling. They didn't do shit. Yeah. And then once he starts hitting, then they start playing better. So if you're going to trade him, yeah, you might then, as well yeah, blow it you up. Might as well just get rid of Granky <laughs> too and see what you can get because I mean you could definitely get some good. Prospects out of that, especially out of Granky. I mean, his is going to be a little bit affected just because, I mean, it depends on how much payroll they take on from him. Yeah. But if they get a team to take on a shit ton of that payroll, they're not going to get that much yeah, back I, out I, of him. I agree with you. But imagine he still if has you get rid of him. He's yeah. still, he had a great What if you get a couple good year. prospects out of those two? You free up all that money off your books, and then who can you sign next year? You know, like, especially or the year after when that one of the really good prospects you get for Goldschmidt or Granky is, you know, kind of coming into their own. Right. But I don't know. I uh, I'm really happy that the Braves really aren't in talks for Harper and Machado. I don't want a big contract like that. I don't understand why you would want to sign someone to like a ten year deal like that because what that's a long time. What happens if in five years Harper Does anybody blows really out his shoulder? Sign? I mean, maybe Harper because he seems like a likable guy. He's kind of the face of baseball. But Machado, does anybody really? I mean, I went went through that. You know, one of the last few podcasts is anyone going to really be excited about signing Machado for Yankees eight fans? Years, Yankees eight years. fans, because yeah. they're Yankees fans. Yeah, because they're like this guy fits in perfectly. And he's, here. Yeah, he's like that. He's your prototype villain, mm-hmm. and he can thrive in New York. He can be the next A Rod. I think. Uh, I think I would really like to see the Braves make a trade to the Yankees for uh, Sonny Gray. Yeah, well, let's talk I mean, about Donaldson then. Like, how much value Donaldson? Yeah. If he's healthy, one right now. If he's healthy, he's you know top top in baseball third baseman. How good did he look near the end of the year when the Indians got him? And say, okay. I mean, he was he was still shaking off a lot of rust too cuz he was out like cuz he what was his first injury? Shoulder something. He had some injury and then he like uh pulled a muscle taking grounders or something, like a strain of calf muscle or something okay. and then he was like back for another couple weeks. Because remember we discussed that that trade shouldn't even have gone through. Yeah, that's right. And then right. He, they were saying he mysteriously got injured on an airplane that's or right. some stupid yeah. shit like that. So, I mean, I think he's had the whole off season to get healthy, and it's not like he's recuperating from like Tommy John or some big ailment. He's had muscles like pools and shit like that. So if he's had the whole off season to get healthy, he's still giving you above average defense at third base. He's what if he's going to get you twenty five thirty home runs yeah, and a shit ton of RBI. Yeah, yeah, he's, he's going to get you a bunch of RBIs. So I mean. He's obviously valuable. I don't know what kind of money he pulls, but I don't I don't see the Braves really being in the running for anybody up there. I would love for them to get like you know, Patrick Corbin or something like that, but we just don't spend that kind of money in the free agency. So like I think that would be more more like it'd make more sense if we were to like trade for like a Sonny Gray or some shit like that. And get, you know, uh nah, you don't want Sonny Gray. Well, I think but the thing is his splits away from New York were not bad. Like, away from New York, he pitched very well. And he might be one of those guys that we were talking about, like, not maybe not on the, the par, like a Stanton, but maybe he just can't handle it in New York. The Braves aren't a big market team like that, and you're not under a spotlight like you are in New York. So what if you move him there, you give up a couple prospects? What if you give up, like, Tukey Toussaint, one of our young guys, and get Sonny Gray, and he has, you know, a 3-5 ERA with... 150 strikeouts. Yeah, I would take that for sure. I'd be happy with that, especially with the the other young guys that we have coming up pitching-wise that have already started to prove themselves. Like, we don't need to get necessarily, like, an ace, but we need to get Is their bullpen going to be decent? I don't know. I think that's part of the reason that Kimbrell keeps getting discussed is because we're putting a lot of, a lot of stock 
and uh, Vizcaino's shoulder, and his, his shoulder hasn't been able to hold up. So, like, I don't know that even if he's healthy, I don't think that he's one of those guys that gets you, like, 53 saves or something like that. I think he's a guy that gets you 30-some saves, and you have to have someone else that's that's getting. And I'm not saying that you necessarily have to do, like, the righty-lefty split thing, but he's shown already that his shoulder can't handle uh, a big workload. So if that's the case, then you have to have a, a, a really solid backup guy behind him. That And that's my question, too, is if you're going to do that, then why not just go after a really good closer? Right, don't they have just an use him as a setup. Yeah, but he had, the, the, he had back the same issues thing is at he, the end of the season. Right, is he too, really so. going to be the closer coming into next maybe, year? I mean, Miss is not 100%. Maybe those two, then you just split them, and it's going to be like, all right, you're going this day, you're going this day, and you just split them up. But like I said, from that point, like, why not just go after a closer? Like, you've got some money to spend. I think that we want to get a better starting, like, a, a good starting pitcher. I don't know that we'll be able to get, like, a Corbin. I don't think we'll be able to pay for an Eovaldi. But what if we get that? What if we could get, like, an Adovino in the bullpen? Johnny Venters won the uh, NL comeback of the year, player yeah. of the year. So that's uh, maybe maybe he'll be solid out of the bullpen for us. I don't know. But a uh, big, big sad thing to discuss is Adrian Beltre retired. After all. After forever. 21 seasons. I thought he was going to come back, man. He had, what, 477 home runs? He comes back for another season or two. He's definitely clipped I figured, some I mean, one more. He's not the reason why the Rangers aren't very good. No. He's definitely an above-average chip, and he has been at third base for even, you know, yeah, the last I mean, three years. I'd say, yeah, I'd say he's probably average now, but prior to the last couple of years... It was always above average defense for him, and you were getting. I mean, his career batting average is two eighty six. So I mean, that's not anything to shake a stick at either. But yeah, I mean, the I don't think the Rangers not... they were supposed to be so much better. They had Jerks and Profar, who just hasn't panned out to be what he was supposed to be. Same with Mazzara. No more Mazzara. Like he's either like a strikeout or a home run. You know. Same with Gallo. Same with Gallo. Same with Odor. Yeah, Odor. He he had a really good year, uh, season before when I had him in fantasy, and then last year his numbers weren't that great. And they've also got, I mean, who was the other guy? I can't remember the other guy's name. Um, but they've got some, they've had pitchers that were supposed to pan out that just didn't pan out. And it's, it seems like their whole team is all, like, home run or bust guys. Yeah, it's like, why, that's my question, is too, is why would you draft a guy like Gallo and a guy like Mazzara? And knowing, a guy like Odor. Yeah, knowing that it's like a strikeout or a home run type, type situation, I don't know. Well, I mean, look at the fucking contract they gave A-Rod years ago. Like, I don't think they necessarily know what the fuck they're doing. But I, uh, I think he's a, I think he's a Hall of Famer for sure. But I think some of his numbers are a little bit diluted because of how long he played. But I still think he's, I don't know if I'd say top five third baseman. Did he ever win a championship? No. I don't think so either. Mm -mm. That's kind of sad. That's the one thing I was happy about the Astros winning was McCann got one. He was a guy that I wanted to see win a championship. I prefer to see him win one with the Braves, but he's a free agent. Maybe we'll resign him. He'll return to glory, lead us to a championship. I doubt it. But uh, one thing I did want to talk about that we didn't cover earlier because we were talking about the whole Paxton thing. Who would you like? Would you rather have Paxton for three years right now, or Kershaw for three years? Uh, yeah, I would say Paxton. Because Kershaw hasn't shown enough. He didn't show enough this year to show me that he can overcome the decline in his velocity. Yeah, that and that's was... kind of the, you know this is you're reading all these metrics and all this stuff. That's that's the the biggest thing you can see from a pitcher who's either injured and still playing through it, or a guy that isn't a hundred percent coming back from an injury is a decline in velocity. And I didn't see anything, even when I was told that Kershaw was 100%, that his velocity was still 90-91. So I don't know what happened or what when he got hurt last time to where it just caused, even when he came back and we were all told that he's 100% a dip in his velocity. Paxton, when he's healthy... His velocity's still Dude, up. he's getting 99. Yeah, he's still overpowered. Like he hit 99 in the He still strikes inning. people out, and that worries me that Kershaw is going to become more of that Keuchel-type pitcher, and he's going to pitch, they call him what, pitch-to-contact pitch guys, contact. which is kind of a stupid term because, you, I mean, you don't want the opposing, the, the batter 
to ever really hit the ball, but no, you know, but you don't pitch to contact. But when you're dropping your velocity from ninety five to ninety one, you become a you, different style when pitcher. When you miss a ninety one fastball up and in, it's compared gone. to a ninety five. Yeah, you have to pitch lower in the count or lower in the zone. You have to kind of let guys hit it to try to let them beat it into the ground, but. I'm just right. You all, everything else has to be elite. All your other pitches, and yeah. you have to have more than two other pitches. That's why it's crazy to me that Rich Hill has lasted so long in the league because his fastball is like eighty-eight or eighty-nine, but and the guy guys only throws what curveball outside of that curveball, and what he has a cutter, yeah. which is his main fastball. But that's eighty-nine or something like that. But that's pretty much what Kershaw. He kind of switched from that slider, and I'm using air quotes with that, to right. a cutter. Basically, is what it is now. But I just kind of wonder if, like, you look at, I think that Kershaw and, like, Felix, like, those are, you know, two of the best guys, like, of this generation, like, dominance-wise. Lefties? Well, Felix is a righty, but you just look at how good they were, and you look at how many innings they pitched in such a short amount of time that, not short amount of time, like, over years, but you know what I'm saying? Like, would it be more beneficial to have that guy... Instead of Kershaw going eight or nine innings for you for five or six years, would you rather have him go five or six innings for 15 years? You know what I'm saying? Like, I feel like the way that the game has evolved now is there's so much of an emphasis on the bullpen guys that you don't really – I don't know that we'll continue to see guys that are going 200 innings. Right, and when your pitch count or when you pitch to contact, these are now guys that are only going to give you six innings maximum. You're never going to go. More people on base. Exactly. There's more people on base. It's harder to get outs. More contact means more stress on your defense. More guys on base. You know stuff like that. So you you're not going to blow guys away, which is going to cause your pitch count to go up, which is going to cause you know the the whole Rich Hill thing. That dude only pitches five five innings, innings. and the reason that he actually has value is because he plays on. That Dodgers team, and they're usually up four to one, four to two after five innings. So you still get, you can still get a win from him. But no, he's he's not going to get you a quality start most of the time. He's not going to get you a ton of strikeouts most of the time. The guys like that tend to walk people. So yeah. there's even more people on base on top of you pitching the contact, and that's assuming that you have an elite. You know, it's a it's a little like Kyle Hendricks in Chicago. It works because Chicago has an elite level defense yeah. behind a guy who doesn't hit anything over 90, 91 on the gun and is still effective. Well, that's something like someone like a Dallas Keuchel has to take into consideration too when he's signing with another yeah. team. Is like that's something I didn't really think about. Like for you know, any of all the, yeah, a good defense behind you is nice, but when you're a strikeout pitcher like that, it doesn't really matter that much. Now, if you're a guy that's going to be hitting, having a ton of balls on the ground, you want to go play somewhere. You really want to go to somewhere defense. like Milwaukee where they have a bunch of slow dudes on your infield, like Shaw and, First baseman playing second base. and Moustakas yeah. and, and guys like that. Yeah. I mean, that's something I didn't really think about till just now, but it's a very, very valid uh, thing he's got to look at. So is there anybody, like when you're looking at all these free agent guys, Do you is there anybody that that you think the Reds should tar- or the Red Sox should target? Like, is there anybody that you legitimately think you guys could sign? Do you think you're going to get Eovaldi back? I, I, Do you want Kimbrel back, I guess, is a, is a question yeah, I really want the answer to. Yeah, of course. Your team's not going to be the same without him. But do you want him even for the price tag that he's going to fetch? See, that's, that's the real question because they – have every they have all the pieces they need. They have a, a pretty decent rotation. They have a good offense. So they'll they're they're not a team that's you know they had 108 wins last year. They're not a team that doesn't need a closer. They need a closer right away to start the season, and they need to have their bullpen on lockdown. So I don't know. Do you think that's maybe true you pay him even, almost whatever he wants just to keep the, him there? Even with the offense that you guys have, you still think? Do you think that he's a do you think a closer is more valuable or still as valuable to your team as it is to, like, a team that's only scoring three runs a game? Yeah. If he's coming – I mean, if he's coming in, I mean, if you think of – I guess it's just save situations. If you're t- – yeah. you're right. If your team is winning games 9-2, to two, then your closer has no value. If you're winning games by more than, what, three three runs or any any, any time – and. And these guys know this. These managers only 
generally pitch their closers unless they've had too many days of rest. Yeah. And outside of too many days of rest and they just need to get them in there for some work, they're only going to pitch your closer in a safe situation. Yeah. You know, or, you know, if, if the game's tied... Yeah, in, like in the ninth game, inning, something like that. Something like yeah. that. Yeah. Outside of that, you're gonna you're gonna pitch him in a safe situation. Almost all guys do because that's that's their job and that's what they get paid for. But that's that gives you the best chance to win. And yeah. that's yeah, that's pitch one game and don't let the other team score, or pitch one inning, don't let the other team score. Is only the closer's really you know only job. See, that's the biggest difference I think for. For you and I being like the following the teams that we follow, is you guys. It's not a big surprise if you if the Red Sox go out and splurge on a big free agent if they sign Kimbrel, you know, to like a what a four or five year eighty million dollar deal or some shit like that. If the Braves do that, yeah. that's that's huge. It's huge. So it's like huge where because I, the I Braves do. don't make moves. It's like the old no. Yankees; they don't make moves like that. So you have to make sure, you know, the Red Sox pay Kimbrel a ton of money, and he ends up being average or above average, they're not going to lose out on that much. They'll get rid no. of them in two years. No, the Braves and someone will. Else, that would be a huge hit to the Braves. Yeah. Like, look at E.J. Upton. We signed him to, like, the biggest free agent contract, and he was a fucking dumb. Right, so so the Braves are, are teams. Uh, Philly's kind of the same way um, that where you kind of have – they make sure they don't have an you know unlimited supply of money, so you have to make sure when you do make a big splash like that, it it's got it, it has to count. It's got to stick for five years, and it has to be something where you're getting your money's worth. It so can't be. The, the but thing. the Red Sox are like you know we have money worth. Yeah. We have the highest payroll. We could take a shot on Kimbrel, and even even if he isn't great or fantastic, yeah, it's not going to tank your season. It's, exactly. It's exactly. not going to. You're not going to mortgage your future. If exactly. You're not doing that. Exactly. I just think that's like a big difference between what we kind of pay attention to in the off season. Is I've been reading into a lot of like the trade scenarios and stuff like that because that's what we're built on. Like we've got prospects right now that we could flip for you know a, a big piece. But that's the thing is like one person we didn't even talk about was I've heard a ton of talk about Bumgarner being traded this year. I mean the Giants they're not going to win. So why? Why even keep him? Just get rid of him now and see what you can get back in return. Like, you're an old team with a ton of money on the books through the next couple seasons. You've got to do something now to get rid of him. So, Bumgardner, where does he slot right now? Would you sign Corbin long-term over Bumgardner? I think if you're I – mean, are you talking, like, just the, the lefties up on, like, that we're discussing right now? Like, you're Corbin, Keiko, and yeah. Bumgardner? Yeah. Uh, I think that if I could get Bumgardner – for the next two or three years, I would take him in a two, three, two to three year span over Corbin or Keuchel. Bumgarner okay. has just postseason wise been fucking ridiculous, like just untouchable. So I know that if I can get to the postseason, that he will, he will pitch in big game scenarios for me. Okay, that's how I think always been the biggest differentiator between him and Kershaw is Bumgarner's always had solid postseasons. Both those other Corbin, guys had better years and were healthy. Um, I mean, pretty much the whole year. But the thing, like Keuchel, he's you know he's going into the point where he's going to start declining. Like he's going, his numbers are going to start regressing inevitably. I think, yeah, I think last but year I think was Corbin, the beginning of that. Corbin had like one really good year. Who's to say that he's going to have another solid year next year? What if he signs a big deal with somebody and then all of a sudden you know that pressure's well, on him and he cracks? We could, and bring, he in the, the, we could bring in the humidor talk and talk about that. This yeah. was the first year for the humidor at Chase Field or whatever it's called in yeah. Phoenix, and his pitching numbers that was supposed to bring down the offensive numbers in Phoenix, and it just turns out that Corbin has a, a, you know, a really good year this year. Maybe is that because it deflated the offensive numbers yeah. in Phoenix? So half the time when he's pitching there, it's – I'd have to, or, we'd have to really whatever. look into his home away spots yeah. to really look at that, which we didn't. So thanks for bringing up a question that we weren't prepared <laughs> for, asshole. Uh, no, I mean, that's one thing that I've thought about about Corbin for a while now, though, is like there's not a really, really long body of work to show that he's going to continue to put up the numbers that he's But he's young up. and he has good stuff. Yeah, I think, I just wonder if, you know, did he work out those those kinks and his command issues and now he's going to be a solid pitcher for the next, you know, however many years, but... Is he kind of similar to Steven Matz, maybe? Something like that. I think Matz is just more injury prone. I think that's his biggest problem, but... Yeah, I mean, I've seen there's been a lot of interesting, like nothing really with any traction to really get into like super high detail about, but like I've seen 
I've seen center guard getting traded to a bunch of different places. Like people just talking a ton of trades that work. That's and, that's a trade that would your team would be competitive. I mean, that's he's an ace. He's an ace. If he's whatever, if he's not hurt. Right, yeah. but but he's but he's, he's one of those guys that, too that it will sometimes go like five innings, and it's like, dude, I want you to go seven and give me you know even that many more points or give me that much deeper in the game. But I don't know. Like I think I just in I fantasy wonder, his value is going to go up big time if he plays for a team with a decent offense. We'll see. I mean, I don't know. I don't know if they'll. I just don't trust the Mets. Like I don't trust the Mets to do what makes sense. And we were talking last year, last season, about either Degrom or Cindergard. So who would traded. okay? So like fantasy wise, who would you keep between those two? Would you keep Cindergard or would you keep Chris Bryant? And that's really what it came down to. Because I'm already locked into Kluber had a pretty good year. Yeah. He's getting a little bit older, but he's very consistent. He's, oh yeah, he's, you're he's, still. I think I have to keep him, but like he and Chris Bryant were two guys I drafted back to back, what twelve and thirteen or whatever. And Ben Attendi, you know, I I traded Garrett Cole to get Ben Attendi, so I kind of have to keep him because I would have kept Garrett Cole yeah. regardless. So I, I don't know. That's the thing is, Syndergaard was hurt. He was he was good after he came off the DL in stretches, but Chris Bryant was hurt almost all year. So I, I think, who knows how good. You know the the ceiling is Chris Bryant played well when he he just didn't hit for power when he if, was healthy that's, enough to that's play. That's because of the shoulder. And, and, and exactly, if his shoulder's healthy, I think that I think it's a tough decision. But I honestly think that I would keep Bryant over Cindergard just okay. because the Cubs are a better team. The upside's better. The Mets look at look at Degrom. Even the year Degrom had, look at how many more points he would have given you. Even if he would have had five more wins, that's an extra twenty five points, right there. Yes, yeah, Cindergard fared better, but he was he didn't have near the the year that Degrom had, and Cindergard had some injuries too. So I mean, you're looking at two guys that have both had injuries. Chris Bryant also had third base and outfield eligibility for the whole year. Yeah, last but year. then the thing you got to look at too is if. If center guard's hurt, if his shoulder's hurt at all, or his elbow, or anything on his pitching arm, he's not playing. Bryant is still going to play, even if he's got the shoulder injury. Yes, that's going to affect his power numbers, but he's still going to hit you close to 300. You know what I'm saying? If he's healthy enough. His batting average and on-base percentage were still very good. Yeah, even, he just lost the power. Yeah. So that's going to obviously affect his like RBI and runs and stuff like that, too. But if he comes back... If he comes back closer to healthy, like if if even if him and center guard are on the same plane, like percentage wise of being healthy, I still think I would go with Bryant. But then on the flip side of that too is if what if center guard does get traded? What if center guard gets traded? Like let's say just like the Red Sox or the Yankees, yeah. a team that's yeah. a really good a hundred win team that will compete, or to the Astros or something. You know, yeah. what if the Astros go to get him or something? Wow! And you get him to a hundred win team with a really good offense. His numbers are going to be inflated by by being on a better team than it is for the Mets. I mean, I think it's just. But at that point, he's going from the National League to the American League, yeah, which, which is, is a whole nother, yeah, which is going to be tough because yeah. he's facing a bunch of I mean, dudes just, that he's yeah, never faced I mean, before. Even if or he got on traded, the, on the flip side, they've never faced him. So yeah, I just I don't know. I think it depends on I don't know, man. That's a toughie. I don't know which one I would honestly would rather do. I think it just depends on. Do you think Chris Bryant has the higher upside? I think so. Okay. I don't think. I don't see Cindergard ever becoming a guy that's going to be throwing two hundred plus innings. He's going to get you a bunch of strikeouts. But I don't think he's ever won the Cy Young, has no. he? Cindergard? No, but he's not. Chris Bryant's yeah. won the MVP. Yeah, I mean Chris Bryant when he's healthy, he's playing. Which in our league, obviously, it doesn't make as much. It doesn't matter as much. But he's a very good defender, very good defender, and he's a very good bat. But I mean, even when you're looking at that, like I think that his upside with his bat. Is better than center guard. Even if like center guard is not going to win the Cy Young, Bryant has a chance of winning an MVP every year. He could get you thirty five home runs, a hundred. Yeah, he's. I mean, he's almost Arenado level. Yeah, but he's been hurt and he's younger too. Right. I don't know that he's as good as Arenado with a glove, but no, you know, no, I don't know. We'll see. There's there's a lot I don't of know if anyone is. Yeah, there's a lot. Of, like I'm seeing, you know, if the Rockies are going to re-sign him or maybe try to trade him. There could be. Could be really interesting. I don't think a lot of stuff's going to happen in the off season. I think a lot of it'll happen once the season starts. Yeah. And people like if the Rockies aren't competing this year, then they're going to be more inclined to get rid of like Arenado. But I think it'd be stupid to do it. But I, some of these guys, man, the contracts they're going to be getting. The is, Rockies don't want to be good. 
They don't. They they'll probably hopefully re-sign Arenado because they realize that you know that's their whole. That's the reason anybody comes to watch. Well, got, but that's not even true though. Too they've got Trevor, Trevor Story. Story. Yeah, and he he he'll he definitely as far as fantasy goes is he'll he'll be like a top thirty player in our league yeah. this year as far as getting drafted. If someone doesn't keep him, I don't know if anyone did last year or whatever, but. Um, Trevor Story is is he's elite level too. So I still remember but when I picked him up right before yeah. the season started, then dropped him the day the season started, and he hit like seven home runs the first week. Yep, and that dude oh, is he he became more consistent this year, and he yeah. became an elite level kind of you know uh, shortstop. So those two guys outside of those two guys, they make terrible decisions. Their their pitching is okay. I think John Gray was a little. You know, he was hurt by his numbers, especially in Colorado, where they thought that he would be their ace and really wasn't yeah. this year, and they were still competitive. But they have too many guys on that team. You know, Cargo, Desmond, um, you know, I guess Dahl, if he's ever healthy, might be, yeah. you know, productive. But they don't have anybody. They have a bunch of dead weight they need to cut and then yeah. build a team, especially offensively, around Story and Arenado, and they'll actually be good. We'll see if they've got the money. I mean, that's a lot of money they're going to have to tie up in those two. And they're, I mean, Arenado's coming up, what, next year? I'm sure they're and overpaying, then, you know, Cargo and uh, oh, I'm sure. And Desmond. Oh, I'm sure they are. I think I Desmond know. was a good player at one time. Yeah. It's he, been four he years. Been, I mean, no, he was even, like, two, a couple years. Like, not he hasn't been, like, you know, top ten or anything like that. But I think two years ago he had pretty decent numbers, if I'm not mistaken. But, yeah, I – uh. I don't know, man. We'll see. I don't know really what's going to shake out or how soon things are going to start really kind of unfolding. I think it'll be a little while before any of the big-name guys sign. I think you're going to see a trade before you see a real big signing. I don't think Harper Machado signed for a while. I just I think we really should be on the lookout to see if the Diamondbacks blow it up. If, right. I don't uh, think anyone's in a hurry to sign trying, Harper yeah. or Machado. I, I guess they figure the longer you wait, the cheaper you'll get them. Yeah. I hope it's not like it was last year. We're waiting until like February, March for people to sign. I prefer, like, I like when it starts to happen a little bit earlier because I think that helps with signing, like, when you're looking at fantasy baseball. Too. I feel like last year, man, we were sitting here like, who's going to go where? Like, I don't know who I'm even going to draft yet because, I mean, I'm not saying that it makes that big of a deal on where Machado or Harper goes and plays, but it, there is a big deal if he goes to, let's say, Harper signs in Baltimore as opposed to Los Angeles. Like, there is going to be a difference there. Machado had a lot less value in Baltimore than he did in L.A. I mean, he didn't, yeah. you know, he wasn't still as happy. good. But I'm still happy that fucker didn't get a ring. And I hope he lost himself money by playing like a douchebag. Uh, I'm sure he did. Yeah, that is what it is. I just, I don't I don't understand, like, if I'm if I'm a GM or something like that. If he had to done that, people guys. would be fighting to sign him right away. I'm not signing anybody for 10 years. I'd be trying to give him, like, all right, like, look, I would rather, honestly, if you're going to pay somebody... Ten a ten year contract for like three hundred fifty million dollars. You're gonna be paying them what like low twenties, and then at the back end you're gonna be paying them thirty five plus. Why would you want that in ten seven eight years to just tank your organization? Why not just be like, look, I'm gonna sign you for six years because that's what your your peak years are gonna be, and I'm gonna give you two seventy five three hundred. For your peak years, right, and not get backloaded and be fucked in eight years when you're making thirty five million dollars, and I have to unload you, and eat all but five million of your salary, and be paying thirty million dollars for nothing. Like it just doesn't make sense to me. But the only guy on this whole list I would be excited to give money to if he was available is Goldschmidt. Yeah, but he'll. Be, I mean, that's the thing too. Is unless he's still young enough, <clears throat> he's still good enough. He's a good teammate. They've tried to build that team around him for years now. Just none of the players they've got. He's not injury. Out. He's not injury prone. No, I think I think they'll trade him. I don't know if they'll if they'll move Granky with him or not. But I think Goldschmidt's gone this year, and I don't know where he's going to go. But that's a huge. Acquisition. That's exciting to see. I mean, that's I knew he's a, a first baseman, and a lot of teams already have good first basemen. But think of the Red Sox. Yeah, but who wouldn't rather have Paul Goldschmidt? I mean, unless like what if the Red Sox I, I don't want him. him. I don't want him because we got Freeman. But there's not many first basemen that I wouldn't take over Paul Goldschmidt. And yeah, like the Red Sox, what if they get him? What if you give up a couple of really good prospects, take on his whole contract, and what if you could package something and get Granky? Imagine if you get Granky and, and Goldschmidt. Yeah, that would be crazy. Look especially, at your pitching staff. I, you know, and they have, I think, especially with the postseason he had, I think they're probably pretty excited, the Red Sox, about 
having Devers at third. Um, second was kind of, you know, a, a Band-Aid they tried to patch. I don't know how what you're going to get from Pedroia anymore. Um, and Kinsler's a free agent, too, this year. Yeah, so I, I don't know what they're going to do there. First base, I mean... I think, honestly, have, though, wouldn't you rather just bring up a young guy at second base if you've got that option? Like, I don't know enough about the Red Sox. You uh, don't need a whole lot from that no, position like, offensively. Why don't you just of, bring up a young guy and try him? You've got a fucking top-notch mm-hmm. offense, and you've got a really right. good pitching staff. Why not just bring up a young guy and let him play? Make sure, make sure, make sure you know the guy can play defense or whatever. But outside of a good defense, and then just let his bat develop. Yeah, you don't need a whole lot from yeah. them. Yeah, you're gonna bat mm-hmm. him eighth or ninth anyway. So what's it matter? I'm uh, I'm excited to see with I think I think the Braves with as with the way that the season shook out with as exciting as it ended with Acuna. I mean, yeah, like we discussed, like we're losing Marquez. And we lost, like, Ambel Sanchez and Suzuki. But it's like, if we can get – I don't see a signing Grandal. I think Ramos would be a more uh, attractive option for us just money-wise. But I also – I'm still not, you know, counting out getting Real Muto. Like, we've got the prospects. we got as good of prospects as anybody in the game that to get him. Great. All we need past that is an outfielder, which we could get. You know, trade-wise, even with that, or if we sign. I've seen a lot of shit about signing Michael Brantley, which if he's healthy would be a really good pickup. But I think it'll be a really – an even more exciting year. Like, we still have the bullpen issues that we had last year, but we've had some other guys step up. Like, uh, shit, the guy whose name I can't even remember right now. Uh, dude came in and had a, a phenomenal September and then kind of petered out. Um, but if we get a couple guys in the bullpen and we get a solid starting pitcher and an outfielder, like we're set because I think we're going to trade for Real Muto. I don't know, man. It should be fun. Uh, I think we're going to try to do uh, another podcast next week. So we will uh, we'll see you guys soon. I forgot to tell you, we uh, had 14 plays this last week. That's our highest for a podcast yet. Nice. So we're moving on up. Let's see if we can get to 15 next week. Nice. Uh, follow us on Twitter. My handle is jackinthebox85. Matt's is... Matt Bechtel. Just... Follow me and then search through my people because <laughs> you can't spell his name. We'll uh, we'll see you guys soon. Later. Later.